JC Corcoran Podcast. Thank you. You guys are very, very nice. I had a nice flight in. Didn't land in the Hudson or anything, but... Uh... How about Captain Sullenberger, huh? Man, a hero. But he's not allowed to think that he's a hero. That's one of the rules about being a hero. You're not allowed to think you're one. They have to ask you if you think you're one, and you have to say no. And then everything's good. You think you're a hero, Captain Sullenberger? No. I don't think I'm a hero. Good. He's a hero who don't even think that he's a hero. What a hero! All's good in the world. I think it would be okay to admit it. It was kind of obvious. Captain Sullenberger, do you think you're a hero? Yes. Did you see the footage of that plane coming in? Do you have any idea how hard that was? Wings level, nose up, tail down. I'm a hero. Because I saved everybody's life. I'm going to get a cape. I was watching the news that night, and it was amazing. They had the footage of the plane in the water with all the people out on the wings. They go back to the newsroom, and a news anchor said, can you imagine a better ending to this story? Landing in Charlotte <laughs> with luggage and dry socks. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like deja vu all over again. Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. You are at jconthelime.com. We waited for summer all this time, and now everybody's got their windows rolled up and the AC on. I don't know. 89 today, 90 tomorrow. Find yourself a pool on Saturday, 95, and then Sunday, Right back into the 90s, but uh, then they're talking about maybe some storms, possibly even some severe weather late in the day on Sunday. All right, first full day of summer. Summer arrived yesterday. Speaking of weather, did you see what happened at Red Rocks? There is an act by the name of Lewis Tomlinson. And if that name doesn't mean anything to you, well, then for God's sakes, start following One Direction, will you? He's one of the singers from One Direction. And so thousands of people, believe it or not, showed up at Red Rocks, just outside of Denver in Colorado last night for a concert. This is an outdoor venue. This is on my bucket list. I've never been. Not the One Direction, kid. I'm just talking about just talking about Red Rocks. I've seen videos and stuff, and it's just it's gorgeous. You know, because you basically have this red mountains 
And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And these rocks, these big things all over the place. And it's it's basically cut out of a little ravine in the mountains. And they just dropped a concert facility in there. And the acoustics are supposed to be great. And the surroundings, needless to say, are just incredible. And so they're getting ready to start the show last night. And a hailstorm of like biblical proportion decides to visit Denver just as they're getting ready to kick this thing off last night. A hundred people injured, some seriously. Some of them got hit with these hailstones the size of pickleballs, and uh, other people just got trampled. There's four hurricanes. Well, no, there's four tropical depressions that are all lined up. It looks like a train coming from the coast of Western Africa, coming right across the Atlantic Ocean and right up into the Caribbean. The first one is going to peter out. It's going to get torn up, not going to amount to anything. The next three, got no idea. All I know is hurricane season is starting way too early. This should not be happening this early. And the intensity of these storms because of climate change, these people who looked at you right in the eye and told you that this was a hoax, all right? You warm the ocean waters by even a couple of degrees, let alone 8 to 12 degrees in some cases. The tropical depressions are just like us. It's like, let's go where the water is warmest. This is one of those anniversaries. Back to 1998, I was traveling with Mark Close. Now, Close and I have a very long storied history. Now, I traveled with the U-Man for years. I can't even remember how many trips we took together. I didn't take that many with Mark, but we did in 1998 on this date go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. They had just uh, installed a new radio studio there, so you could reserve it and say, we're going to come up and broadcast live, and they'd say, sure. So you would just walk in. They had a full studio right there. You could sit down and do the show. I still remember we had Jennifer Lopez on the show that day. She was just starting her musical career. And even though we weren't the kind of radio station to play Jennifer Lopez music, she was a very successful actor. Well, semi-successful actor. So we talked to her about that. She had just come off that movie with George Clooney that she had done. I took Mark on his very first ever trip to New York. We were covering the Grammys one year. It was like 1998 or something. And Close and I were working together. I think we were at Clue at the time and i'd been to new york at that point over 200 times so i was like come on i'll show you around he wanted to see times square he wanted to see the area there by the today show it's sort of courtyard where people jump up and down and try to get on tv and i remember he wanted to see 30 rocks so i took him to all those places and we had some decent meals and you know we were there to cover the grammy so we went over they had that over at cbs at the broadcast center at cbs on West 57th, I believe. So we had finished doing our show on one particular day. We're standing there in the lobby waiting for a cab. And Leslie Stahl walks through the glass doors. She's looking for a cab, too. And Close couldn't believe that I would just, like, walk up to people, famous people, and start talking to them. And Leslie Stahl walks out. Why, why shouldn't you be able to say hello, right? So she comes through the door. I go, Miss Leslie Stahl, hello. And she's looking at us out of the corner of her eye like, who are you? I know everybody who works here, and you're not two of them. But then I reminded her that she and I had spoken in person before because one of the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, and I want to say 
1987, would that have been Superman 2? Anyhow, they had a big function uh, at the Smithsonian back in 1987, and I met Christopher Reeve, got to talk to him, Margot Kidder, and, and for some reason, Leslie Stahl was there, and I remember talking to her, I interviewed her, she was 44 at the time, and you should have seen her. Oh my goodness. In addition to being a sharp, smart investigative reporter, Man, did she look good! And as I was uh, recounting this to her, she started to back. She started to back away, <laughs> and close is looking at me like we're going to get thrown in a New York jail. But nothing, nothing tops the story of the time they sent me and close to Atlanta, where the company we worked for had a production television production facility down there, and they said. We understand that you want to record some new commercials for the radio station. Yeah, you can use the studio, and we'll give you a crew and everything like that. So Close and I fly in to do these commercials, and we finish, and there's one plane out that night, or we're going to miss our show the next day. So we haul ass to the Atlanta airport. We get on the plane. They say we got an equipment failure. This is going to take about 45 minutes. You can get off the plane if you want. So we leave our stuff there. We get off the plane. We go walk and we go grab some food. We come back about 15, 20 minutes later. The plane is gone. You think I'm making this up? I'm not. And now we're yelling at the everybody going, our stuff is on the plane. It's sitting there in first class. We're, 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 our, our suitcases, all of our equipment, everything is there. They made the plane come back to the gate. Now, it wasn't in the air yet, but it was taxiing towards the runway, and they made them turn around and come back and pick us up, much to the delight of everyone on the plane, including the pilot. Of course, I blamed it all on close. I don't know what scares me more, the aftermath of what happened on this date in 2002, or the fact that it was 2002 and it was 21 years ago. So let me just uh, set the stage for you here. There was a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes that very few people ever knew about. By all rights, it should have been a typical Cubs Cardinal weekend in Chicago. Mid-June weather, just, you know, perfect. A noon start Saturday afternoon. Fernando Vina, who was doing our show back then, gave me some uh, tickets behind home plate. Getting into town like on a beautiful Friday afternoon. The weather is gorgeous. Have a nice dinner on Friday night. Get up early on Saturday morning. Get to the ballpark early. Take in the whole Wrigleyville experience. And then, you know, mosey on over to the ballpark. Get into your seats and sit down. Sold out ballpark. Couldn't move the place. It's also important to remember that this being 2002, remember when you used to have to call your cell phone provider and tell them that you were going out of town, otherwise your roaming function wouldn't work for the most part? I mean, it was a really clumsy system back then, but we were all happy to have cell phones. I mean, again, it's 2002, and the technology just hadn't uh, progressed to the point where you didn't have to mess around like that. But back then, like I said, you had to set up your cell phone for roaming, or somebody could call you from St. Louis, and you just wouldn't get the call. So we're all in our seats, and we're just sort of watching, waiting for the pregame stuff to begin, and something doesn't seem right. I'm sort of looking around going, uh, you know, the groundskeeper should be out here right now watering down the infield. 
I'm not seeing any players out on the field. There's nobody warming up. It's practically game time. What the hell is happening? And then, again, because most people's cell phones did not ring in Chicago. If somebody was calling from St. Louis, very few people were getting the information. It was complicated by the fact that a guy from KMOX went on the air and made the announcement before he was supposed to. You know, you're supposed to do that courtesy where it's next of kin first, family members, all that sort of stuff. But this guy got the information and just blurted it out. There's still people mad about that, by the way. But somehow that information from KMOX in St. Louis started to filter its way towards Chicago. And there was like the murmur through the crowd. We started hearing these stories about there may not be a game today. We're like, why not? We're hearing now that there might have been some sort of tragedy. Okay, well, what does that mean? And then, you know, like I said, finally, because the guy blurted it out on the air before he was supposed to, it started getting to the people who were able to establish cell phone communication with their friends back in St. Louis. And then that started to just go through the crowd like the wave. And even then, even then, we didn't hear too many details about what had happened. And then Joe Girardi, catcher for the Chicago Cubs and the team captain, walks out with a couple of team members. They set up a microphone in the on-deck circle on the third base side of the field. We were sitting right near there and Joe Girardi comes out and just again doesn't give many details there's been a tragedy and there's no game today and you know a couple of other things and that was it and now almost 40,000 people all sitting in Wrigley Field they're like all right everybody got up and just very peacefully in a very orderly fashion started to leave the ballpark it wasn't really till later on that we found out the magnitude of what had happened to Daryl Kyle who had passed away in his sleep in the Cardinals hotel now I just got in the car and started to do some sightseeing in Chicago, came back later at about, I don't know, eight, nine o'clock, getting hungry. And I was like, told my, my date for the weekend, I said, let's just walk over to the Cardinals Hotel. It's only a couple blocks away. Let's see what's going on. Well, we walk over there. Who do we come face to face with? Fernando Vina. And I'm telling you, he looked like he had just seen a ghost. People were so freaked out by what had happened. And again, this is coming only a couple of days after the big ceremony for the passing of Jack Buck. And people looking around going, what the hell's going on around here? I got a couple of different TVs going here waiting to see if anybody's going to say anything about the submarine thing. And given the fact that here it is two, three hours after the point at which it was determined that the crew and the passengers would have run out of oxygen, the story is over now. If you were waiting for some sort of a storybook ending, you're not going to get it. And not only just the absence of air, food, too much carbon dioxide. This thing, this structure, this this craft was not designed to be submerged for, you know, three, four, five days. You got to get that carbon dioxide out of there. There's no way to do it. And if they lose power in a situation like that, that water is cold. The craft is going to get cold. It'd be like walking into a meat locker. So now you're suffering from exposure too. Now, you should just probably skip everything that I just said and forget I ever said it because I'll just bet you, and this is not me just, you know, free associating here, based on the hours and hours of coverage that I saw on this thing over the course of the last couple of days, especially yesterday, and especially these experts, some of whom had been on a couple of those expeditions and said... The white guy says, I got into this thing. I paid my $250,000. I got on and I said to myself, this could be it. This just doesn't look like something we should be getting into to go 13,000 miles down to the ocean floor going after the Titanic. 
The guy who put this thing together, I saw some interviews with him yesterday, too, and he looked a little bit like a schlub, too. He's one of those guys who talk, well, you know, you got to take chances in life. You know, if you want to take chances, you want to be safe, don't even get out of bed in the morning. Don't leave the house. Don't get in a car. Don't go on a plane. One of those guys. And he seemed to pride himself on the idea that this craft was, you know, operating on the cheap. I got a play of this thing yesterday. This is from Inside Edition. Sometimes extreme vacations can go tragically wrong. In 2019, 22 people were killed on a visit to an active volcano in New Zealand when it erupted. Travel expert Pauline Frommer. You've been on some of these trips yourself. Why do you do it? I've climbed two volcanoes with my daughter. At the time, it felt like just something to do, something to try. We actually roasted marshmallows over the lava. 2023 is shaping up as the deadliest year on record on Mount Everest, a favorite destination for tourist adventurers. Mm -hmm. 12 have died and five are missing. Just last month, a stranded tourist was rescued by a Sherpa who carried him on his back. Gordon Janow organizes every climbs for $70,000 ahead. It seems fantastic to go, you know, under the ocean or climb a mountain or take a, a, a mountain bike, you know, route that's challenging, but you need to go and assess, you know, and assess the risks. But what happened on that dive to the Titanic is a reminder that extreme tourism can have extreme consequences. So this is the thing. You thought that bungee jumping was some sort of extravagant way to get an adrenaline rush on a vacation. A lot of people are doing this sort of stuff, according to that report. But going back to the actual submarine thing, here's what they said. Rescue crews are now scrambling to locate the source of the banging, with oxygen in the sub expected to run out Thursday morning. We need to have hope, right? But but I don't. I can't tell you what the noises are. But what I can tell you is, and I think this is the most important point, we're searching where the noises are. Colonel Terry Virts's friend Hamish Harding, a veteran explorer, is one of the five men on board the Titan. He would know the only way to communicate with the outside world is through banging on the wall, and that sound travels very well through the ocean. The owners of the Titan are coming under fire today for refusing to have the sub tested by an independent regulatory body. Bart Kemper is one of 30 engineers who wrote to OceanGate, the company behind the Titan, urging them to have the sub tested. Are you saying there was no regulation of the Titan? To my knowledge, that, that is a case. I got these from uh, Camper World. CBS correspondent David Pogue was stunned when he saw some of the equipment on board earlier this year. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! Yup, unbelievable but true. The Titan submarine is controlled by a Logitech game controller that you can find at any electronics store. We found this one today for $43. This toggle makes the sub go up and down. This one from left to right. And could the window on the sub be compromised? A former employee sued OceanGate, claiming the window wasn't rated to go below 4,000 feet. The Titanic is sitting on the ocean floor at 12,000 feet, three times deeper. Some previous passengers we spoke with say the sub was plagued with technical issues. Every investigative reporter in the world, including all the people from 60 Minutes, probably licking their chops or who's going to end up getting the story on this? Guys using a thing like they bought from GameStop to run this thing, and people are paying a quarter of a million dollars to get on, and it's you know becoming pretty apparent that what happened. 
is that the hall caved in on this thing. They never had a chance. They were just, uh, you know, on their descent, and all of a sudden, the thing imploded in a billionth of a second. They didn't even know what happened to them. But as I said, I, I don't mean to sound crass or cold, but this story is over now until somebody finally figures out a way to go down there, too, and get video of the craft, and you're going to see the hall completely caved in if I have any idea what I'm talking about. Cardinals are off to London. I worry about Miles Michaelis, who took that 105-mile-an-hour one-hopper off the right ankle in the seventh inning yesterday. He stayed in the game. But now you get on an 11-hour flight in an uncomfortable seat in a pressurized cabin. And, uh, you know, keep your eye on that story. Keep your eye on that story. Brendan Donovan extended his hitting streak to 10 games. That was about the only bright spot in the game. You don't win many baseball games where you don't score any points. But it's off to London now. Had the pleasure of being to London a couple of times. Very ornate. Very old school. I really had a problem with the food. The food was awful. I think I lost about five pounds on that trip when we went there in 1989. We went to London for the Beatles' silver anniversary. And you may recall, we did the show from the Abbey Road Studios. Cynthia Lennon, John's first wife, came by. A guy by the name of Brian Gibson, who was a very, very young technical engineer at the Abbey Road Studios back in the 60s. And he was the guy who George Harrison grabbed and said, um, roll tape on this thing. I need you to engineer this. I got a new song I want to record. And it was While My Guitar Gently Weeps. He cut the demo for this. So it was a really exciting trip and we had a lot of fun. But, you know, finally it was like the last day or two and we went into the city. And we we're like, can we just find some place where there's like American food? And there was some place that was uh, like the equivalent of like an old spaghetti factory or something like that. And it was both the worst meal and the best meal I ever had. The worst because the spaghetti was just terrible. The sauce was worse, but it was probably the most nutritious meal I'd had all week. And then, you know, you got to try to get your picture taken there crossing the street at Abbey Road, and the locals are not amused because to them, they're just trying to get around town. They're trying to get to work, whatever, and they will try to run you down. A lot of big ears and a lot of bad teeth. I'll pass. So uh, here is the story on the weekend games. Adam Wainwright is going to start on Saturday. That's 12:10 St. Louis time on Big Fox. So that's free. And then on Sunday morning at 9-10, that game's on ESPN. Tyler O'Neill, by the way, hasn't played at all since the first week of May. They just moved him on to the 60-day IL. That's no good. St. Louis City SC loses last night 3-1. to Ken Hitchcock, former coach for your St. Louis Blues. And also another guy who scored 355 points for the Blues during his time here, Pierre Turgeon, both inducted into the NHL Hall of Fame. That's going to happen November 19th in Toronto. And today, Kurt Warner turns 52. Carson Daly, and that's one I never got. He's 50 today. Mary Lynn Reiskub from 24. She played Chloe. Also, she was on the Larry Sanders Show. 52 today. Aaron Brockovich, 63. Tracy Pollan, Michael J. Fox's wife, 63. Cindy Lauper, 70. Meryl Streep, 21 Oscar nominations. She won three. Kramer versus Kramer in 1980. Sophie's Choice in 83. And The Iron Lady in 2012. Meryl Streep, 74 today. Lindsay Wagner, 74. The Bionic Woman. Chris Christopherson, 87. Nixon lowered the voting age to 18 on this date, 53 years ago, back in 1970. The Karate Kid, always Luke, I, came out in this date in 1984. And the master, 
the master. And, and let me just tell you, it's very easy to get jaded in this business and all the insincerity and all the lying and backstabbing and all that sort of stuff. But for me, it was 1967, and I still remember the day that I paid $3.95 to go buy the George Carlin album Takeoffs and Put-Ons, recorded at the Rooster Tail in Detroit, Michigan. Not only did it change my life, Half the people who are in entertainment right now, everything from radio people to actors on Broadway, they will tell you that it was that George Carlin album, that first one, and then the second one, AM and FM, that just shook them up to the point where they were like, well, I got to do this. I got to do something like this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I was very pleased with the job we did when we were doing the morning show on K-Hits because on the day after George Carlin's death, we had Dennis Blair on the air, who was his opening act for, I don't know, it was like 14 years. They traveled together. They told stories together. And Dennis is a great guy. He would do song parodies. Do we have Dennis Blair still in here in the archives? Sir, All right, here we should go. we do some nostalgia? Look out. All right, let's Look bring the turn back the clock. Here 92 comes years. This is the old Bee Gees, of course, from the disco era. Well, you can't tell by the way I wear my pants And I am a guy, I don't take no chance But when I sing, I sound so dumb Like I've just been snorting helium But it's alright, I can't win I sound just like Tiny Tim Long as I don't hurt no one Singing like a girl is fun Nobody today can tell what I'm saying Because I'm singing too high, singing too high <laughs> Let's just stop right there just... Now all the rock stars are doing Christmas albums For instance, Led Zeppelin Christmas album Coming out this Thursday no stairway, man. Now on Christmas, when it snows, it all goes up your nose. And I'm leaving some cocaine for Santa. All right. Oh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Let's Please. get modern. Hootie and the Blowfish Christmas. When Santa hits the floor, hidden for the bathroom door. Get out of his way, just let him pee. All right. Christmas albums you'll never see. <laughs> R.E.M. Christmas, of course. See, R.E.M. Michael Stipe is one of my favorite singers, but I have no idea what he's talking about because all the songs are basically. Oh, green fields, the dog is in my yard. The car's on Thursday. The butter knife is dripping with Aunt Martha. Someone forgot the cheese. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> no one knows. Well, you know, I'm doing a trial of the century themes now. I've been watching O.J. Simpson all the live long day. I will never understand why he didn't throw that glove away. I don't know if he is guilty. But one thing's plain by far He should sell his Ford Bronco And buy a faster car <laughs> Here's the OJ portion of the album George Carlin, welcome to St. Louis. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing fine, and thanks for that memory. One other thing, though, about Dennis, because you've been in your opening act. You've been in your opening act for many years now. And, Long and, time and, together with Dennis. He's terrific. He's great. He's great, and just we, a we great, love him. great guy to hang out with. And he told us a little story about uh, driving with you. 
Yes. And killing time. And a lot yeah. of times there would be situations where you'd be going from, like, you know, Buffalo to Rochester, and instead of taking a plane or something like that... Well, just, that's a close one. We drive longer ones than that, but go ahead. But you would just drive along. But he, he told... Could you expound on this a little bit? He, he just kind of scratched the surface as to how you two guys entertain one another, and it had to do with, like, combinations of really kind of gross, disgusting ideas all jammed together. <laughs> yes. Well, Jerry Hams is in that, too, our... Um, my manager and a longtime friend, and we promote our own dates, so Jerry's also technically the promoter. Uh, well, we just um, we just give vent to our to our uncensored sides, you know, a, a really filthy, gross, um, <laughs> disrespectful, uh, um, hardly sacred uh, things, you know, about family, not not each other. We don't, you know, we just sing, we just sing uh, impromptu. So, you know, you'll break out with an impromptu song, and uh, usually filled with all sorts of not just filthy, but very imaginative <laughs> sort of uh, you activities. Got a, you got a pretty good. You got a lot of latitude here. Could you give us one? I mean, you got pretty good... Pretty... You don't have the latitude for this. this not, <laughs> Otherwise, this we're back is... at WBAI here again, right. or whatever it was. Yeah, well, yeah, right. So, but I, I and I'm protecting you by, by telling you. <laughs> oh, man. Like I was saying, when you're a kid, you're like, you know, 15, 16 years old. If that, the idea just never crosses your mind that someday I'm going to work with this guy. I'm going to MC his show. I'm going to sit with him in his dressing room and just bullshit with him. And that I will know people that he knows and that I can legitimately say, I got to hang out and work with George Carlin. This is why I still do the job. It's still fun. It's still cool. And the thrill is not lost on somebody like me. That's for sure. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran podcast for Thursday, June 22nd, 2023 is in the can. We are here every weekday morning, Monday through Thursday at jconthewine.com. Of course, we do the morning show now at KWolf 101.5 in St. Louis and 101.7 West and beyond. And you can stream it at kwolf.com, K-W-U-L-F.com. Spread the word about the podcast here and about the radio show there. You can buy all of the you know electronic media advertising you can afford but nothing, nothing gets the job done more quickly and more efficiently than word of mouth. So if you can help, do it. Have a great weekend, everybody. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.